if you create one X content, that's content that's just like all the other stuff that you're seeing out there, you'll actually get less than one X returns, right? You'll get less. It's actually diminishing returns. So the amount of time and money that you spend on creating that content, it will not deliver an ROI that you're going to be happy with. But if you deliver 10 X content, okay, content that is, that you know is awesome. Okay. So at the end of the day, people like yourself are going to be like, this is awesome. And I would read it. Not only are you going to feel fantastic yourself because there's few cooler things than educating, right? And by the way, it's also the best way to learn, but you're also going to receive at least 10 X, if not a hundred X the return. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text quick tips to 33444. That's the word quick Q-U-I-C-K and tips, T-I-P-S is in sugar to 33444 and you get instant access. All right, everyone. Today we have Sean Kelly, who's the co-founder of Snack Nation, which is an easy, hassle-free way to get delicious, healthy snacks delivered right to your office. Sean was a biomedical engineer who earned his degree from John Hopkins University and Columbia University and was also named to Forbes Top 30 Under 30 in, Top 30 under 30 in 2013. And he also co-founded America's, um, or I shouldn't say America's, I'm just going to say Human Healthy Vending, which is a company that I actually interned for um, with another guest of the podcast, Andy Mackinson. Um, he was my boss, but Sean Kelly was also my boss as well. So Sean, how are you, how are you doing? Eric, doing awesome here. So, uh, so happy to be chatting with you. It's a, it's a blast from the past. Yeah. Thanks for being here, man. So why don't you tell us, you know, I've given a little bit about your background. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself from your own words and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, grew up in, in Northern Michigan, a place called Traverse City. It's known as being the cherry capital of the world and uh, grew up with a father as a dentist and a stay-at-home mom, phenomenal parents, but they taught me the importance of health and nutrition early on. So I was that kid, Eric, that uh, you know went to the cafeteria and went to lunch and I had the, the whole grain, super nutty bread with like the organic jam and organic peanut butter where everybody else was like on Wonder Bread and and mayonnaise and bologna. And I thought, you know, back then I thought I was getting ripped off. You know, I wanted everybody else's sandwiches, but, uh, but it was, uh, you know, now in hindsight, it looked like, Hey, they were actually, you know, they were actually doing something good for me. So I was the biggest junk food eater in the world. My first business ever was selling soda pop and we call it pop in the Midwest and candy bars along parade routes. Um, we thought it was great money, you know, it's fantastic, but I soon learned that eating junk food around the clock and you know, just trying to go against my parents wasn't the best path to success in the household or on the athletic field or in the classroom. So I started caring a little bit more about health and nutrition. And uh, when I went off to college, I thought, okay, naturally, my, you know, my dad's a doctor. He's a dentist. It's been a good lifestyle for him. Uh, maybe I should do the same. So I thought I was going to go into biomedical engineering, eventually be a surgeon. 
Um, but in that process, um, I actually found, you know, fitness, um, and became a personal trainer. And, um, when I was a personal trainer in New York city, I'll never forget it. It was a January back in 2002. And I saw a woman purchase a Coca-Cola out of a vending machine at the New York sports club that I was working at in the 80th and Broadway. It's still there. So a lady buy a Coca-Cola out of the vending machine take a swig out of it, put it in the cup holder of her treadmill and start running. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I said, here we are in one of the busiest places in the world, right? At a health club that costs a decent amount of money to get into. If these people do not have access inside of a health club to eat what they need to eat to be healthy and have great lives, what the heck is the rest of the world doing? So that was our, you know, way back, you know, now, geez, it's 13 years ago. I'm getting old. Um, that was our kind of foray into uh, into providing increased access to healthy foods, democratizing, you know, the, the access to emerging innovative and better for you brands first started in healthy vending machines. Then we moved on to micro markets. Now snack nation's a big focus of ours, but that's a, uh, that's kind of a general overall story. And no, I did not go to uh, medical school. You can imagine how fun that conversation was with my father, my senior year of college, telling him that instead of going to medical school, I was going into the vending business. Hey, but it all worked out, right? <laughs> yeah, for, for the for the most part, for the most part, I have awesome parents and, and very fortunate to uh, to have them. Awesome, great. So you know we, we've you know we've had that conversation with Andy talking about human and the whole internship thing. That was really fun. Um, but talk to us about how you you know transitioned into and I guess you can explain what micro markets is first, and then we'll jump into Snack Nation. Yeah, so it was really just an evolutionary process. You know, we, we started with healthy vending machines and placing them in gyms and then schools and hospitals. And healthy vending machines work really well, especially in school and educational climates. Kids love vending machines, right? I mean, I don't know about you, Eric. Did you love using vending machines as a kid? Oh, absolutely. I love getting the, the Fritos and the corn nuts, all of that. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I remember literally at the bus stop, you know, when I was in elementary school, there was a bus stop that I had to stop over at, and that bus stop was the high school. And I would literally sit there and just ask high school kids for quarters as the most annoying kid in the world because I loved not only the junk that was in the vending machine, but I just loved using it. I thought it was so cool. Well, adults don't like vending machines so much, right? We all had those horror stories of the products getting hung up, the machine you know, not accepting your credit card, eating your change. So in businesses, vending machines don't work well. People just don't want to buy stuff behind glass. And so that's what that's what got us into micromarkets. Micromarkets are unattended self-checkout convenience stores. Imagine like a miniature Whole Foods where we go in and reinvent a company's break room and turn it into a micro store with cameras and, and thumbprint technology so the employee can just come up, grab whatever they want, grab a meal, grab a salad, grab a snack, grab a drink, scan out with their thumbprint at the kiosk, and then go on their merry way. So the thing about micromarkets awesome solution for larger businesses, right? 200, 300 employees and up. It makes sense for us to go and spend, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 to establish a micro market, right? That's our CapEx because you're going to get enough purchases, right? To, to justify that type of investment and also the ongoing OPEX of that business. But for smaller businesses, right? There's far, far more smaller businesses of less than 200 employees than there are greater than 200 employees. That doesn't work, right? It's not profitable. It doesn't make sense. You could argue that smaller businesses need what we provide, right? Fantastic, healthy snacks and foods and drinks that optimize performance. They need that more than large businesses. And so that's what's where Snack Nation came from. And in all honesty, we just stumbled upon it, Eric. We're, we're kind of resisting Snack Nation for a couple of years, just being like, okay, okay. 90% of our leads, 90% of the people that come to us and say, we want your service, 
they were too small, right? They were smaller businesses. And forever we just said, no, finally, we're like, you know what? Let's test this out. We got these other two channels locked and loaded. Let's rock and roll with Snack Nation and just test it. Well, what happened? We tested it and um, we found that our B2B food service sales and marketing expertise over the last seven years played very well in the Snack Nation. Um, and we were able to, you know, build a, build a decent business pretty quickly. And now Snack Nation is one of our, one of our major focuses and it's a lot of fun. Got it. So it sounds like it was an evolutionary process where, you know, you're covering all these different markets, you know, you're covering the, the larger markets, you know, micro markets are for, you know, larger businesses. And now you're talking the, the SMBs. Is that correct? Absolutely. I would, I would love to tell you that it was some grand plan from the beginning, but it was really, you know, our, our, what our mission has been or what our vision, vision has been to, you know, connect, you know, helping unite mankind in nutrition. That's human. That's what it stands for. Getting people increased access to healthy foods. That's never changed. That's always been the same. It's just the way that we've gone about it has changed as we as we've accessed different customer groups. So you're spot on. I'd I'd love to tell you as part of some brilliant grand plan, but it absolutely was not. Got it. Okay, great. So how does Snack Nation work exactly? I know it's a subscription. Can you tell us a little more? Yeah. So you know, as opposed to there's a, a lot of B two C subscription companies, right? That that ship directly to the consumer. We're purely focused on the office. And so what we say, you know, just to, to kind of our tagline is Snack Nation is a B2B healthy snack delivery and membership service that is democratizing access to emerging, innovative, and better-for-you brands by establishing the office as a hub for healthy snacking and beyond. So a, a simpler way to say that is we get the best healthy snacks that make people feel awesome, make employees feel cared for. They're a part of the awesome office environment. We bring those directly to the office on either a weekly bi-weekly, monthly basis. So a business either does not have to worry about that process at all, the head of HR, the office manager, right, the whole pain of bringing snacks in the office and snacking boredom and people complaining, they never have to worry about that because it's all delivered to them. Two-thirds of every month is continually rotated. It's two-thirds of each box is different and new from the previous month. So there's constant rotation, constant curation. Um, we found out something that's really interesting is we're now like the discovery point for our consumers. They're so pumped. They're like, guys, the first time that we see any of these brands is through you. And so, you know, they look cool to their friends. They look cool to their family. Um, and so we're really, a, a, you know, a discovery um, and curation platform that just takes care of snacking uh, in the office. Why is that important? Well, millennials snack three times as much as their grandparents, two times as much as their parents. Snacking frequency has increased 25%. Per individual over the last four years, uh, millennials snack like absolute animals, and that's not going away. So, you know, we like to say, you know, kind of like Howard Schultz says, uh, we sell coffee, but that's not the business we're in. We sell healthy snacks, but that's not the business we're in. We're in the business of employee engagement. We're in the business of employee retention. We're in the business of employee productivity and letting them know that they're cared for. And we say that Snack Nation is simply a part of having an awesome office. It's not everything but it's a part of it. And that's how we look at our business. Got it. And how, how quickly is the snack nation? How quickly is that business growing right now? Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to 10 X in ARR, which is annual recurring revenue this wow. year in 2015 alone. So we're going to more than 10 X. Um, we're growing at, at, at high double digit growth month over month. Um, obviously that becomes more difficult as you, you know, as you get larger and larger, right? But primarily through um, educating our customers, right? Really kind of focusing on the positive transformation of our customers through great education and great content marketing. Um, through that medium, where we get about a third of our leads, and then through a, a, a quickly scaled and, and fastly growing inside sales team of over 30 people, 
um, we are generating those leads and, and closing and uh, have a really, really high retention rate, really high uh, net promoter score that I, I keep, I hope we can, uh, we can keep it that way. That's, that's really our focus is more on making our current uh, members happy than it is uh, attracting new members, even though both are really important. And because of that, we also got a good referral base and uh, yeah, and that's, that's how we built it. Got it. Okay. You know, when I think about this space, you know, I think about like the, the nature boxes of the world and there's a lot of people doing food subscription, right? So, you know, the, the question people are probably thinking about right now is how do you guys stand out in the crowded space? Yeah. So almost everybody else is B2C, right? I mean, they're, they're B2C and, um, you know, I, 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 I'm friends with the guys over at nature box, but I think it's a really, really challenging model. Um, you're talking about a much, much higher churn rate, right? A, a customer is going to be much more fickle than an office, right? To an office, you can deliver, you know, let's just say our average box is 150 snacks. If you don't, you know, one person doesn't like five of the snacks, somebody else is going to, right? Whereas if you deliver to a customer and they don't like one of the snacks, that could be their reason to cancel. So much higher churn rates, um, even more importantly, right? Gross margin is much lower. Uh, gross, gross, uh, obviously the more that you ship to somebody, the higher your margin can be, right? Cause you're, you can, um, you know, integrate and really absorb the cost of fulfillment, right? And the cost mm-hmm. of packaging and the cost of shipping. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, furthermore, obviously, you just have a much higher uh, revenue per per member, right? Revenue and that's that's our member is a business that typically has in you know, between fifty and hundred employees. Uh, actually, it's anywhere between ten to hundred employees is our main target size. Um, and and you know, so we're shipping to many more people just at at one point of distribution. Um, furthermore, you know, like if you you bring up the, uh, the example of Nature Box, I mean, Nature Box is you know private labeling their own food. We are going and curating the best emerging and innovative brands that are out there today. And we're serving as a discovery platform for those brands. So, you know, very actually, even though they seem similar in terms of the distribution of snacks and making increasing access to healthy snacking and healthy fare, the business models are actually quite a bit different, right? You'll even look at how does, how does uh, NatureBox for the most part acquire customers or again, add, add anybody else in there. Um, they acquire customers primarily through online funnels. Online funnels are certainly important to us, but they're far, far, far less important than our inside sales team, right? When you're selling B2B, you're primarily going to acquire uh, sales through an inside sales team um, rather than, you know, online, for instance, acquisitions uh, funnels on, on Google or on LinkedIn or on Facebook. Whereas with these B2C subscriptions, that's completely different. They're, they're paying primarily for online acquisition. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like you guys have all the, you, you guys have been doing this, obviously the vending machine business, the micro markets, you guys have all the B2B processes in place and that's why you guys are ahead of the game, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think, um, you're exactly right. I mean, we've been, we've been doing that for seven years. We've learned uh, exactly what not to do. And, uh, certainly we've learned some things to do along the way, but that's why Snack Nation was such a great fit. I mean, if we would have stumbled upon Snack Nation, Eric, if you and I, you know, were buddies and, you know, after a, a nice uh, a nice vacation, we decided to get into Snack Nation uh, and just start out from scratch without all the experience and you know all the organization the foundation built. It would have taken us a lot longer to get here, but because we had all that and uh, because we'd gone through all the trials and tribulations, right? Uh, it was it was a little bit easier because we had that foundation to build on. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And one thing I think that's that's been super interesting, and I think it's genius, and I'm gonna let you talk about it and explain it is is the podcast. How does that podcast fit into what you're doing at Snack Nation right now? Yeah. So the the awesome office show. I appreciate you uh, you bring that up. Um, so we we formed actually earlier this year 
the Association of Workplace Engagement. That's AWE. The purpose of it is to allow, is to help companies create more awe in their office, right? To create an environment, a culture, an atmosphere where people can truly thrive, become the best versions of, their, of themselves, and therefore also create as much positive impact on the business and the outside world as possible. And so awe really helps companies you know, beyond just cre- in, in increasing awe and improving that culture, maximize employee engagement, employee productivity, and employee well-being. Well, why do we do that? Because we realize that at the end of the day, well, first off, that's where our passion lies. That's where my passion lies as an individual, right? My, my purpose is to proactively drive people to become better versions of themselves. My, my, our purpose as an organization is to help people build awesome offices, just amazing places to work. And people, as much as I would love them to, Eric, they're not going to care as much about health and nutrition as I do. You know, my, my grandfather, my, I already said my mom and dad were giving me healthy food from my first memories, right, since I was three years old. My grandfather was also a dentist and a big nutrition guy. He was giving me biomedical, bionutritional journals at the age of 12. I studied biomedical engineering in school. I cannot expect the... Um, the typical individual that we speak with, right? The typical office manager, the typical CEO, the typical entrepreneur to care as much about healthy food as we do and as I do. But what do they care about? They care about their team. They care that their team performs well. They care about employee retention, employee productivity, employee happiness, right? They really care about that. And so what we're saying is like, yes, at the end of the day, we're delivering to you the best healthy snacks, but we realize that that's not, that's not why you care about it. And guess what? That's actually not just why we care about it. So Awesome Office is not only this awesome platform where we can really kind of deliver our passion and help companies, it's also a really cool biz dev tool because it's saying to everybody out there, man, this is what these guys care about. Like they are authentic about it. Yes, they have this really cool snack business, but I get that they also want me to to help my office and my company in all of these other ways. And so that's kind of how we looked at it. And for some, they might say, man, that's crazy. It seems like a lot of work to kind of build that. Um, but it's working out really well. And I think that, you know, as we continue to build, I think it's absolutely essential that, uh, that we further that authentic story and we become really a better partner and a better guide to our, to our members and to our customers. Yeah. I think it completely makes sense across the board because as a business owner, you want to run a, a great place to ultimately, you know, have your bottom line growth. Right. And then people that are working for, for you at the same time, they want to have, you know, a great environment. So I, I think having this platform and building this audience, I, I think is, you know, that's probably the hardest thing you can do as as a business owner, and I think you guys are doing it, and that naturally translates into you know more opportunities for Snack Nation, right? Which is the goal. Absolutely, and, and um, you're you're totally right. It also is what's the impact on our team, right, Eric? I mean, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business person, you manage individuals, you care deeply, right, about the people that work with you and work for you. And guess what? It's also really cool when your uh, you know your company is the one that's furthering all of these initiatives, right? It's, it's, they're not just you know, focusing on you, but they're saying we are going to be the platform to not only help our own company, but other companies achieve an awesome office. And so our, I think it, it kind of forces our employees to say, not forces, but I think it puts them in the mindset of, wow, this is a cool place to work, but it's bigger than that. Like I can actually brag about my company. I can share these podcasts. I can share all of this content. I can share all of our events, all of these things that we're doing with my other friends at other companies and with my family and with other people that I know and say, look, we are thought leaders. Like we're not just about healthy snacks and healthy food, right? We're bigger than that. And so I think it also helps as an online retention. Um, I'm sorry, a, a, an on-site retention and development tool, which, you know, man, I, nothing's more important than people, right? 
Right. Totally. Very excited. And congratulations on the success, success thus far. I think it's going to get really big. Well, thanks. Thanks, bud. We're just, just trying to follow in your footsteps, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about user acquisition for a little bit. Uh, you know, how did you go about acquiring your first 100 customers for Snack Nation? Uh, first 100 customers. Um, so most of them, in all honesty, just because we had um, we get more leads on the healthy vending and the healthy micromarket side than any other company out there. So we built a really, really good online presence around healthy vending and on, you know, convenient on-site food, um, food service. So we actually, even though they're, they're now not the best leads, and those first 100 customers, at least the, the first, I think like 60, 70 of them, primarily came from existing leads, people coming in saying, I want a healthy vending machine, I want a healthy micromarket, and we just converted them, right? So we already had that lead funnel set up. Beyond that, the way that we acquired them is we knew that content was going to be really important. So we've been delivered, we're writing articles, um, create, you know, writing uh, great articles around employee engagement, employee retention, uh, creating an awesome office, creating a great experience, uh, personal growth inside the workspace. Um, that has actually been our main inbound lead generation tool is all the content that we're provided that we've been providing. And, you know, as of a few months ago, um, after launching, you know, after hosting our big awesome office events, um, and our awesome office show and all the stuff around awesomeoffice.org, um, that's now a great funnel for us. So really almost, almost all of it's been there. Now, do we use, uh, you know, uh, Google AdWords? Um, yes. Do we use a, uh, a Facebook funnel? Our Facebook funnel is it's a little bit tough and B2B. We don't, we don't, we still don't have the numbers exactly where we want them to be on Facebook. Um, but we do a really, really good job, have a fantastic cost of acquisition um, on Google. But the problem is, Eric, I mean, how many keywords are there? It's not just healthy snacks, right? We need to So we can only buy so many keywords online. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that we're testing on LinkedIn right now that we hope to have optimized by the end of the year, but we're not there yet. Um, but so, so thus far, it's really been about content. Um, and I'm a huge, huge believer in content. I actually think, um, uh, you know, a lot of broadcast media is going to go away. And if you are not positively transforming your customer, if you're not positively transforming your customer, then uh, I think you're going to, I think you're going to be hurting. If you're not doing it now, you, you got to start because developing, and, and I'm not saying just content, right? Some people just say content, they think, oh, I'm going to outsource and create a few articles. No, creating truly meaningful content that you love to read yourself, that you love to absorb, I think is essential. And that's why, you know, 30% of our incoming leads are, are coming from that source. Got it. And beyond, beyond that, everything is through our inside sales team. Cool. And I think, you know, I actually had, um, I think one of your inside sales teams <laughs> reached out to me. So they're, they're clearly very efficient and they know who they're attacking. So another props to you on that. But um, the... no props there. I don't think we got the conversion. So I mean, no, <laughs> no, no props there, you know? Well, we're, re- we're a remote team. So if I had everyone in one office, you know, we, we'd be, we would have signed up immediately. Um, but yeah, right. I think, you know, you bring up one thing that's important about content. You have to be, you know, you talked about, well, my, my take on content is at the end of the day, if you try to write for, for everybody, you're going to please no one, right? So you have to write for yourself and, you know, you have to write for what you write for yourself. That way, you know, cause you know, what's interesting to yourself and that way you can really create something for an audience. Right. Um, and I think back, back in the day, you know, sharing an anecdote really quick, when I interned for you guys, um, you know, we created a lot of different blogs. We created, you know, just content for content sake. Right. But now when I look at what you guys have done, you guys have evolved and it's actually, you know, it's long form content. It's, you know, it's really high quality design and, you know, it, it just looks completely different now. So can you talk about that evolution? Oh yes, Eric, those are, it's so funny. I, uh, I had laughed thinking back in those days. We're like, Oh yeah, we're, you know, we've, uh, we've heard that content's important. So let's just create as much content as possible. 
for the keywords that we think, you know, uh, we should write about. And let's just, you know, let's outsource it. Let's not worry too much about quality because quality takes way too long. First off, that is a soul-sucking and incredibly painful and horrible experience. Nobody likes that, right? It feels terrible. And another thing is that might that might have worked 10 years ago. Well, let's be honest. It actually did work, okay? there there's mm-hmm. it, it used to really work. Um, today, it doesn't. Uh, one of my good buddies um, and I, uh, Michael, Michael Simmons from Impact, uh, we were talking about this, this whole 10x theory around content today. And that is if you create 1x content, that's content that's just like all the other stuff that you're seeing out there, you'll actually get less than 1x returns, right? You'll get less. It's actually diminishing returns. So the amount of time and money that you spend on creating that content, it will not deliver an ROI that you're going to be happy with. But if you deliver 10x content, okay, content that is that you know is awesome, okay, so at the end of the day, people like yourself are going to be like, this is awesome and I would read it, not only are you going to feel fantastic yourself because there's few cooler things than educating right and by the way it's also the best way to learn but you're also going to receive at least 10x if not a hundred x the return so you know that's the thing is like if you're creating regular content today it no longer works and you're not going to be happy with it if you put in the time to deliver 10x content you'll get at least a 10x return and so our our shift um, towards just creating awesome content that we like and that we want to read and that our friends want to read and you know our fellow CEOs want to read and heads of HR has been has been groundbreaking for us. And I look at I look at our marketing department as being more of an educational platform. So yeah, I want to switch gears a little bit um, to talking about you know growing human and, and Snack Nation well so as well. So let, why don't we talk about uh, one big big struggle you faced? while growing Snack Nation. Talk to you about mistakes and struggles for, for many, many, many hours. But what we have done good is in a relatively fast amount of time, built a rinse and repeat and scalable inside sales platform. But what is what is a continuous challenge, a continuous challenge is finding those fantastic millennials, right? And those people with, you know, whether it's one or two or three years of sales experience to come into the role and to develop that we the way that we want them to and we need them to in a short time frame, right, of typically 90 days to be able to hit their quota, right, that directly ties into our forecast. Our, the majority of our forecast is based on our inside salesperson's quota. And today, more than ever, and certainly in the future, that's based on our ability to develop talent. And that is a constant challenge. It's a constant challenge. And one of the hardest things for me, Eric, as a CEO, is when I'm sitting across, and now we have over a little bit over 60 employees, is when I'm sitting across the table and looking at somebody when they're about to come in here, I'm staring into their eyes and, I'm, and I am asking myself, how do I find out if this person is ready to experience personal breakthrough? How do I know that they are willing to become a better version of themselves, that they're willing to experience a breakthrough, that they're willing to go through some pain and some challenge to get to a higher level of contribution because I know we can get them to do that here if they have what it takes. And so, so finding those people, right. And hiring those people and developing them. And it's not just like, you know, once a week check-in, it's an ongoing every day, every hour process. That is by far the most difficult thing that we do today. Um, but it's okay because I know that that's absolutely fundamental from an executional standpoint for us to master. And if we do that phenomenally well, not only are we going to make a massive difference in these individuals' lives, which is my first goal, but secondarily, we are going to have an amazing defensibility because that's not easy to replicate. 
Got it. Okay, so on a tactical level, you know, how have you, you know, improved talent development? So on a tactical level, there's a few different ways. So one is increased frequency of direct reports, right? Um, having making sure that every single week we are having a one-on-one training session and a one-on-one uh, pipeline review with every single rep, right? After the first two weeks, we're doing that with every rep. Um, we've also set up accountability and training partners. So, in, so not just in those management and trainer direct reports, people also have other people on the team, sometimes at their existing level, sometimes at a level kind of advanced from them. They're actually going through role plays and are committing to each other in terms of how they're going to get better. So that's been another big one. Um, obviously, another thing is, just, is, is training materials. We are, you know, as we learn more, what's, what's a challenge, Eric? You know, in growing a business, Things can change monthly. So now it's just doing a better job. Instead of you know updating our training materials once every six months, we're looking, how do we literally need to change this every month? Because every month we have a new group. And guess what? Things have changed since literally 30 days before. You know, some optimized scripting, um, some optimized leading. Having different tier systems so that when people hit different levels of kind of ongoing referring revenue and, and, and have hit multiple months in a row of quota, they get to different tiers. That tiers not only means increased compensation, but it also means increased benefits, increased awards. Um, it's rewarding people, right? The reward system. Um, so there's there's a lot of different ways that we've done that, but um, we're, we're not perfect. And it's something that we're, I mean, I'm making some changes in incentives and rewards. I'm literally making those today. So it's, it's an ongoing evolution. Awesome. All right. Makes sense. Now let, let's bring it out to, I guess, a wider scope. So was there at any point in time where human was on the brink of failure? Oh, absolutely. Um, so human launched in 2008 and Andy and I spent, um, you know, <laughs> we made the, uh, I think it's a relatively common mistake of, of trying to build out this perfect platform before launching. And so we launched, you know, we were like, okay, you know what? I had a previous healthy vending and nutritional distribution company. So I said, Andy, here's all the things that we did well in this previous company. Here's all the things that need to be improved. Let's improve everything and make this perfect before we launch. Well, we all know that you don't really learn until you get out in the market. You don't really learn until you have customers. You don't really learn until you see what's not working in the field. So here we were spending 18 months perfecting launch. And once we finally launched with 50 vending machines in the field, almost all of them were having significant issues, significant issues that we could not find out why the heck they were happening. It ended up being an intermittent wiring issue with wiring getting pinched in the back control panel that we did not find out about for 30 days. So for 30 days, Andy and I were flying across the country trying to fix these machines. Nobody knew what was going on. Not the manufacturer, not us, not local vending technicians. We spent an 18 months launching. And then we did all of these 50 machines all at once, right, to about 10 different customers across the country, all in different locations. And there were times when Andy and I said, if, if, I mean, we are close. If we literally do not make this work, if we have to issue refunds, if we cannot get these machines working, our business will be 100% failure, uh, failure. <laughs> and um, I mean, we, we, we were using supplier loans. So we were, you know, we were basically, you know, we were leveraged on those 50 machines. I mean, it was an incredibly stressful time. So, so almost from the very beginning, uh, human almost lost course and would not have been able to continue on. But guess what? We figured it out and, uh, you know, learned that lesson the hard way. Um, and it's, it's definitely taught us a lot and, and, and shaped the way that we've grown the business um, since then. Wow. Okay. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? 
you know, I used to think that it, because of one of my one of my main mentors told me that he was not empathetic and he was a phenomenal leader, an amazing businessman. And he said, you know, I don't really have a lot of empathy. And he kind of associated empathy with weakness. And so I think I kind of, you know, there's a times where I'm a, I'm people who know me know I'm a really compassionate and uh, <laughs> uh, for the most part, empathetic guy. But there was a time in my, really in my upper twenties where I thought being a leader meant not showing weakness, meant being super direct and meant always knowing the course. And I think I've, I've learned since then that having great empathy for others absolutely is not the same as weakness. It's, it's understanding where people are coming from. Um, and, and showing vulnerability as a leader is also not weakness. It's, it's, it's admitting fear. It's admitting not knowing how to do things. But in doing so, you create more trust in the people around you and you create, you create a better team environment. So I can, I can point to a million different things, but I think at the end of the day, I would tell my 25-year-old self, Sean, don't be scared of being empathetic. Don't be scared of, of being vulnerable. Um, you know, be, be strong, right? There's a difference. Don't be weak. Be strong and be direct, right? And be confident and have conviction and have strong character. But remember that at the end of the day, business, as much as we want to talk about, you know, online acquisition, right, and digital media and inside sales teams and the best, you know, the best systems for training and development, business is about people. Mm. It's 100% about people. And if you are not an empathetic and a vulnerable leader, um, I think you're going to have a really tough time building the culture and the environment that you want. So that's, that's at least today what pops out at me. Totally guilty of that um, and totally, you know, know where you're coming from there. And so I could, you know, give that a healthy plus one. So thanks for that. Um, so, Sean, how do you, you know, in an ideal day, you know, CEO's day is crazy all the time, but in an ideal day, how would you structure it? Yeah, so I am a, a fervent believer and I tell everybody um, on our awesome team here and also all my friends are probably sick of hearing me say this. I believe that the success of the rest of your life will be determined by the first two hours that you spend in the morning. Um, I, I honestly think it means more than anything else. Focus on the first two hours of your morning and don't worry about anything else. So for me, what's absolutely essential is how I wake up in the morning. You know, I typically will wake up um, sometime in the fives, anywhere between five to six, average is 5.30 a.m. And um, I'll immediately get up right now, um, I'm, I'm loving Bulletproof Coffee. My, my buddy, uh, Dave Asprey, is, a, is an awesome guy, and I just think Bulletproof Coffee is fantastic. So I'll get up. I'll, uh, I'll nail two, two large glasses of water, about 32 ounces. I'll then have a Bulletproof Coffee with, uh, you know, with my grass-fed butter, my MCT oil, and cinnamon. Um, I then will sit down and read. I'll have something pre-planned for me to read for, for 30 minutes. And for that 30 minutes, I'm basically telling myself, Sean, you don't have all the answers. You're waking up and you're immediately opening your arms and saying, get some magic from somebody else, right? Here is somebody who has spent many times their life's work instilling everything that they've learned into a book and just take something from it. Even if it's only, you know, for 30 minutes, the problem is sometimes I get too excited and that usually goes, you know, that can go for like 60 or 75 minutes, but it's just letting me know, you know, there's always more to learn than what you have in your mind. So typically after reading, I'll then, um, I will then work out. Um, workouts for me these days are a lot shorter than they usually are. They're usually a really, really, really intense, about 20 minutes um, with stretching. I very rarely will work out longer than that, except on the weekends, just to kind of uh, free, my, free my brain and free my mind. 
Uh, I have a saying, I think that you should eat to lose weight and exercise to feel great. Do not exercise because you want to get fit. Exercise because it's absolutely key to feeling awesome and having great brain performance. So then after that, I will, uh, I'll work out. Um, I'll still be in a state of ketosis. I'll come back and have a really, really high, uh, high protein and high fat, uh, breakfast after my workout. And after that, I will typically, um, I have affirmations and kind of, you know, uh, something that I read to myself every morning in terms of, you know, who I am. So even though that, that sounds silly and it sounds like Tony Robbins stuff, it really works. But after all this is said, then I jump into whatever my, my number one most important project of the day is. Um, on Mondays, that's, um, that's my leadership meetings. On every other day, every other day is themed. So it's themed based on what are my top priorities as a CEO. And I'm taking care of whatever is the top priority item in that theme, in that slice of the pie for the day. Right? I'll eat the frog, handle that. Um, then usually after that is when I open up myself to the team. I open up myself the email. But for the first, uh, you know, two hours, it's all about me and optimizing my performance and my mindset. Um, obviously, I'll get a lot of ideas out of that for the business too. That I'll write along along the way in those first 120 minutes. And the first hour and a half is focused on whatever needs to get done that day. And and not until then do I really kind of go into those buffer tasks and let the world start distracting me. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, I think you know every. Every high performer has some form of, of morning routine, which is why I like to ask this question. And I, I guess something that popped up to me that stood out, you know, the 20-minute the workout, why did you decide to condense it? And are there any, like, uh, you know, any numbers, you know, any data that we can see around that? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. You know, I, I'm actually one of those people, Eric, that I actually like to work out. Um, and so people will think, Sean, you know, you're, you're crazy. Um, but I actually enjoy it. The problem is, is that as I've gotten busier and there's more stuff to do, I found myself saying no to working out, not because I didn't like it, but simply because I, I thought in my head that it had to take an hour, right? For me going down to my gym right, in my building or going to you know a nearby gym to getting ready was like at least an hour. And so the reason that I was saying no was not because I didn't want to work out. It was because I didn't have enough time. And I also realized that a lot of my workout was like going for a, you know, a brisk pace run right? Or, or doing something of the nature when I really, when there's not a lot of benefits tied to that. And so for me, I said, man, if, if I know that I only have to work out for 20 minutes, it's 20 minutes. You can always make time for 20 minutes. And actually, if you look at the data, right? If you look at exercise science, if you look at, you know, even whether it's CrossFit, whether it's my best buds at Iron Tribe Fitness, high intensity 20 minute workouts are best cardiovascularly, they're best, you know, for musculature and physiology. They're best anabolically. They're best for your energy, right? They're fantastic. And so, if you you can literally get everything that you want to do in 20 minutes. And for people, um, I know, you know, uh, Eric. I think you know, you know, JLD better than I do. But John Lee Dumas, you know, I know he's a fan of seven minute workout. Mm -hmm. And seven minute workout. You know what? Pick if you don't have anything else to do. Do two back to back. I did it this morning. I did two seven minute workouts back to back. Right? It was literally 15 minutes. I don't stop for rests in between. I literally was 15 minutes of constant exercise. And if I had a little bit more time, I probably would have done three of those. I do it all the time when I'm traveling in, in hotels. I'll do two to three of those back to back or back to back to back. And it's fantastic. So um, I just I think that our, our whole, the way that we look at fitness and health in our country is off. Right? We exercise because we think it's going to look good. It's going to give us a six pack. It's going to drop fat. That's ridiculous. You, and, you know, and if you look at it in that way, I think people think, oh, I got to run 10 miles. I got to mm. run a marathon. 
No, you don't. Like you're, you're exercising to feel amazing and to put your brain in the right state and also put yourself at the right blood sugar levels so you eat well for the rest of the day, right? Eating's where you gain weight and eating's how you look good. Exercise is all about feeling amazing and, and being the best ideal version of yourself. Right. Love it. Totally agree with that. And I, I think it's important also for everyone to develop some type of 15 to 20 minute workout, like you said, when you're, when you're traveling, cause you're not going to be home all the time. So I think that's super important. Um, okay. Final two questions right here. What's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? I have so many, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you one that I'm sure people have said a million times just because I have to, because if you haven't read it, it'll change your life. Uh, mindset by Carol Dweck from Stanford mindset is you just have to read it. I mean, read it, give it to your kids, give it to your wife, give it to your husband, give it to your employees. Mindset is amazing. It's one of my tops, if not my top. Um, the other that I'll say just because I'm actually going to my, my second seminar on this next week is essentialism. Um, essentialism by, by, uh, uh, Greg McCown, basically, uh, essentialism is the art of saying no and only focusing on what's essential in your life. Um, I think if you read those two things, you get to, you, you, you learn how to develop a growth mindset, um, while also learning how to say no, except two things that are essential in your life. You'll be in a pretty good place. Love it. Okay. Sean, what's the best way for people to find you online? My social media game is not as strong as I'd like, but it's getting there. My team's helping me. I've, I've typically ignored it, but that's uh, that, that's a thing of the past. So my Twitter game, which is stepping up, is Sean PK. That's at S-E-A-N-P-K. My Instagram is the Sean Kelly. And I also would love for you guys to check out, if you care about culture, if you care about leading people, if you care about inspiring awesome, check out the Awesome Office Show or awesomeoffice.org, Awesome Office Show on iTunes. and that's a good way to, uh, to find us. All right, Sean, this was awesome. Everybody, this is Sean Kelly, co-founder of Snack Nation and Human. Make sure you check out both of those. They're both awesome. Thanks again, Sean. Thanks, buddy. Rock and roll. Hey, everyone. Just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text quick tips to 33444. That's the word quick, Q-U-I-C-K, and tips, T-I-P-S is in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.